grizzly bears in the area. Well, it, I would assume that it was because when they walked, they jingled. Yeah, but the bears ain't the ones wearing the bells. You are. They're the ones eating them. <laughs> yeah, well, when you find droppings with bells in them, you know there are grizzly bears in the area. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> There is, you know, I was looking at the, at the at the comment about leaving five that grizzlies leave five claw marks in a, in the side of a tree, and black bears only leave four. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, we don't have grizzlies here; just black bears. Yeah, well, we don't. I've never been a bear hunter, and I really don't know. Yeah, well, it, it they didn't talk about the two claws, which represent my running shoes at the base of the Okay. <laughs> We've got five claw marks, four claw, mark, claw marks, and two very fast running shoes. Yeah. Is. Oh. We had a deal with some black bears here around Graysburg here just a few months ago. I don't know why people get so excited about that. If you leave them alone, they pretty much leave you alone, too. Yeah. We had a young bear, young, uh, a juvenile male who was apparently out trying to find some new territory for himself, a black bear, who wound up in a condominium community in downtown Fort Myers. And oh, yes. The poor bear, you know, he showed up at night, and he thought this was great. He had lots of vegetation and flowers and trees. And when daylight came, nobody could come out of the condominium. The bear was walking around in the gardens, and they couldn't shoo him out, so they finally had to tranquilize him and, you know, cart him off and, and put him back in the woods. But, you know, they, they did try to shoo-shoo the bear to, to go back in the right direction, but he was just so far off course. <laughs> there was no way they could get away with not tranquilizing the poor little thing. Yeah. So he went back to his, his woods, and he'll have to find a, a different spot to claim as his own. But, gee, Willikers, can you imagine waking up in your condominium and wanting to go out in the parking lot and there's a black bear out there? Well... Yeah, I can imagine it. Um, I mean, that's like an apartment. I don't know that I want to. No, that's like an apartment community. I know it. A black bear. It, it, it is unusual. Yeah, and it wasn't even like on the fringes, like, it, you know, backed up against woods or the Everglades. It is just standing right out there like a, <laughs> like a building is supposed to. Yeah. Really, he was really cute. You know, I mean, he was really a cute bear. Black bears are cute. Uh, at a distance. I, I was just going to say, as long as they're on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine one time told me about some famous photograph, um, and I, I don't know where it was taken, but it, it showed this great big bat coming in to grab a frog, and he just flared his wings out to stop, and just ready to, to, to grab the frog when the picture was taken. And I don't know the name of the picture, but it's supposed to be some famous thing that somebody got a lot of money for. And he was talking about, you know, the. can you imagine the frog looking in? <laughs> the frog was looking right in the, the bat's mouth almost. And said, can you imagine the frog looking? I think it was called looking into eternity or something. But anyway, I said, you know, you never stop to think about the other side of that thing. Can you imagine that you're just getting ready to grab a bite of something to eat, and all of a sudden this blinding light goes off in your face? <laughs> and wouldn't it make you wonder 
if maybe you shouldn't decide to eat something else? You shouldn't decide to eat something else. Yeah. When you went to eat, you know, a flash goes off in your face. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, maybe God was trying to tell you something. <laughs> bats, are, bats are blind anyway. They're pretty, pretty close to blind, so I don't think the lights I would. I don't know. I've got a feeling they could see that. I, I would guess. I would guess. I did like inf uh, the information you had about Nigel Bruce. I did not know quite all of that. I knew some of it, but not as much as you had. Did you know he was born in Mexico? No, and I did not know that. Did not know that either. And I didn't know he'd been injured in World War One. I. I did not know that either. I actually, I, I am amazed at what I don't know sometimes. I'm not. I, I, happens to me all the time. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I don't mean you. I meant me. <laughs> what I don't know. Oh, between you and Walden, I'm getting beaten up tonight. <laughs> okay. That's funny. That's, I knew what you meant, but it came out kind of odd. And so, so how are you doing? As a person, how are you doing? Well, you know, my leg's a lot better. It's still a little bit sore, but... Um, Improved drastically. I can't say that about my back, but uh, yourself up to. I guess I just gotta live with it. Mm. Well, but it's just been another week. We're trying to get, a, get our kitchen fixed up. What are you doing to the kitchen? Well, it hadn't had anything done to it since about 1960, so it needed doing and we just haven't really been able to and <clears throat> anyway we've got the ceiling painted and the walls cleaned and I think we've got to put some stain and see their own days and the guy came Thursday I guess yeah Thursday to, about putting the putting a hardwood floor down in there and I guess that's going to be about it he looked at it and he hadn't given me a price yet but I'm still Hoping to get that done in the next two weeks, and hopefully we'll be through with it. But it sure needs doing. Uh, had an old vinyl floor in it, which kind of gave up the ghost a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Kitchens and bathrooms are nightmares to redo. Well, you know, if you can just throw money at it and hire somebody just to come in and take care of the whole thing, and you go somewhere else, that's one thing. But Number one, we can't do that. And number two, there's so many things, I mean, there was so much junk in there that you have to go through when you throw out. You can't just grab and throw. Uh-huh. That, that was time-consuming, too. Although, went through it pretty fast, but the whole house, you wouldn't believe stuff my mother would save. I mean, nothing went out. And we filled up one big, great big dumpster and probably should have had another one. But um, we're just working on a little bit of time back about 19, no, 2000, I guess. I had the new roof put on, new windows, siding, all that stuff, new heat system, um, duct work and everything. Yeah, so, you know, it was warm, easy to warm, easy to cool, um, no wind blowing through it. The windows, 
that were here was so old that the wind just blew around them like you couldn't hardly tell they were shut. And if you tried to open or close one, the uh, wood was just so rotten you could feel the whole thing give, so you quit. Huh? And it needed doing badly. And you know, I was here by myself, and I figured the best thing to do was get it so it could be warmed and cooled and no leaks and all that stuff. So I did that and let the inside go because I really couldn't do anything about it. And that was the best thing to do. So now we're trying to do something about the inside of it, and it's still a long way to go, but we're working on it. You're ambitious, to say the least. You are ambitious. Well, no, we just about had, well, I don't know, we absolutely had to, but it was just about half to, so we're trying. You're doing good. You're doing good. Well, we're, we're trying to do the best we can. Want a hard question? We'll get there eventually. You, you want a hard question tonight? Well, I'll take any kind you got, and we'll see what we can do. I, I should say I was sharp as a tack this morning and twice as flat on my head, but <laughs> you are just that, that is a southern expression, I think. I'm, I'm going to have to, um, and I'll, I'll take that as my lesson for tonight. Okay. All right. <laughs> I really hadn't thought of a lesson for you tonight, so I guess you'll have to. Okay, well, if you can come up with some just routine expressions that I might not have heard of before. That would be really good. I will try to work on that. Okay. I have so what's your question? My question says, this one is really hard. In which show do we often hear the name Pat McCracken? You're right. I've heard it, but I sure can't relate it to a show. You recognize that you've heard it, though. Yes, now I have. Um, and if you'd asked me, Patrick, Pat Buttrick, Buttram, <laughs> I would have answered that right away. But this one, I will not come to me. This is the flat on the head part. No, it isn't. That was really <laughs> it is too. question. I would have been amazed if you had gotten that one. Okay, Vincent Price starred as a detective. The detective's yes. nickname was also the name of the show. What was it? The Saint. The Saint, yes. Do you know how the Saint was born out of, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you his nickname was the Saint, and it was shaped after his name in the show, Simon Templar. Do you know how they got the Saint out of Simon Templar? Not really. Well, I am going to tell you. Very good. Simon Templer, the initials are S-T, and... Okay. S-T, period, is the abbreviation for the word. Yep. You're right. That's where it came good from. Thing. It's a good thing they didn't call him St. Louis. St. <laughs> Simon. No, it's... That's I couldn't help it. That's good. Oh, gosh, that's funny. Well, I sent you some goodies. I don't know what I sent you. Uh, I can't recall what's in your envelope, but it's everything. Well, it hadn't got here yet, so I don't know. It'd probably just, be in the next day or two. Uh, no, that's just because I mailed it yesterday. 
Oh, okay. So you're not going to get it until Tuesday or Wednesday, probably. But, um, right, that's fine. Yeah, I would love to send you some stuff. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it this week. Um, I found and put in, hold on, let me see what we got here. You had, mm, not that page. I'm still going, page. Oh, it was on my other page. Um, 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 you had a surprise on that one, and you really liked, oh, Escape, Suspense, and Boston Blackie. Okay. Um, them, I found them. Okay. I had them in my file, so you've got them. Now you have to tell me what else. Well, at the moment, I really don't know. I hadn't had time this week to even think about it. Um... <laughs> There was one that I heard this week for the first time that I've never heard before. Um, and I've only heard one, uh, maybe two shows, but I cannot think of the full name of it. It was Crime and Peter... Oh, Crime and Peter Chambers. Yeah, that's it. I had never heard that before. I do have Peter Chambers. I can send you Peter Chambers. All right, do that. Certainly will. It's kind of an unusual show. It, it's not your traditional detective show. Right, and it, it was it was quite new to me because I I don't even remember that from when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I do have it, and you will have it too. Very good. I appreciate that. My pleasure, sir. So you, you you're going to put together a collection of expressions for me? I will. I will try to do that. Yeah, I really will. These are top-of-the-head things. I mean, they, they just happen for you. They don't happen for me because I don't know what they are. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, you can't... You could tell me anything and I would believe you. Well, no, no, I won't tell you something. It's not true. Okay. I trust you. Absolutely. <laughs> I can think, unless I can think of something. Yes, you can. No, I mean, unless I could think of something that wasn't true. Oh, well, I mean, you can just make that kind of stuff up. Uh-huh. Well, I, I've been known to do that. <laughs> Too much fun. Okay, so you heard Crime and Peter Chambers this week. What else did you listen to? <sighs> Nothing right off hand. Well, there was several things, but I had heard before, and I had to run back and forth. I had things to do, and I was running back and forth, but, you know, I don't know if y'all have noticed that a lot of the shows that different people send in to play on here, you get an awful lot of the same thing repeating over and over and over again. I mean, you know, if you look at a year's time, several people send in the same thing. You mean the DJs? I've, I've often wondered why, you, with all the stuff that's out there, why you get so much repeating. I know. It just happens every once in a while. Um, and you're talking about the DJs who send in their, their shows to play? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, so everybody's got the same one for some reason. You are absolutely right. You know, there are some shows that are just so good, everybody loves them. And Well, that's true, but 
there seems to be a lot that are just average or whatever, but I mean, it doesn't, I don't guess it really matters whether they're good or average, but it just looks like with with all there is, there wouldn't be thousands, so much repeating. Thousands and thousands, and you get the same ones showing up. Walden, yeah. are you there? You bet. What do you think? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, I think more and more likely um, you're going to see this because I think more and more disc jockeys are using MP3 collections. And those are pretty much uniform. We pretty much know what the shows are. In the old days, it was real to real. Certain shows, uh, the hobby was formed by a v- variety of shows just coming in as a hodgepodge. And when they started to transfer to MB3, a lot, certain shows never made it through the cut, never made it through the transfer. And so the hard-to-find specialty shows, only certain collectors really have those, not in the general population anymore. Yeah, but I, I think um, Harwood and I are on, on the same track when we say in the MP3s that are available, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of shows. And given those choices, somehow the same shows appear. Well... Also remember um, a couple other factors here. Not all the disc jockeys are very timely sending in their material. Mm-hmm. And so the bulk what you hear on the tapes, uh, if there's not a disc jockey uh, name attached to it, mm-hmm. it's Kim has to pick it out. And so what she does, she goes through uh, in the yesterday USA archives what she got handy on CDs or what she has on cassette. And a lot of that is the Radio Spirit collection, which is somewhat limited. And also a lot of it um, is stuff what I have brought down. Because I haven't been down there in a few years. I've been able to help broaden the base for, for, for the home archives. Uh-huh. Um, and also I think to also look at um, Certain genre is very popular. I, I'm amazed how popular the Western genre is. And a lot of people love those 1950s Westerns. And those, uh, a lot of times you'll see those pop up. Um, so, some series don't even get played too often because... Uh, I'm, just thinking, I'm just talking from the top of my head. And so... I think if you're like the only disc jockey that's on heard on a regular radio station, you might you might more apt to pick a variety to be different. When you're on a Yesterday USA, I think you have a tendency to choose more of your favorite, figuring that the next disc jockey is going to cover a different set. So, and, and it's also the way Bill structures the show. He doesn't tell the disc jockeys what to play. And so you got those four or five different... Um, uh, One other factor that just occurred to me is that the tapes that the DJs send in are for two weeks. So we only get 26 different shows from each DJ each year. Right. And that's why, to be honest with you, if you look at the ratings, the weekend lineup is actually higher, it gets better ratings than the the weekdays. Because it's new every single weekend. Uh, it's it's also time that more people are available. True. So, but well, um, Hardwood, what you're talking about with just 
by happenstance, things reappearing. I, I know I mentioned this, forgive me if this is old hat to you, but I've listened probably in my whole life to a half a dozen Casey crime photographers, and within a matter of a couple of months, two of those shows played on Yesterday USA. Now, I don't know, how, how many Casey crime photographers are available? Oh, Huge number. I've it's, got more it's, than 100. It's probably over 100. Yeah. And, but again, I don't know how many how many disc jockeys are taken from the Radio Spirit sets. And see, I don't know how many Radio Spirits have released. And so, but the, but the, the point I'm, I was making was that out of more than 100 shows that I have, I've randomly picked six. And six out of 100 shows, two of the six that I've listened to, appeared on Yesterday USA uh-huh. at different times. And, and, I mean, it just blows my mind that by happenstance, those coincidental things have happened. What I think, too, to be honest with you, I think a lot of the disc jockeys don't take the shows from the download site. A lot of it, like Nancy Kelsey, they bought from prepackaged people, and so they don't issue the complete Casey crime. They might only issue only six of them, and it just might be so happened you, you had those six, even though you have them from a different source. And, I, and I, obviously I had them, yeah. but I picked six shows at random to listen to. They were just all over the place. They weren't in sequence. Right. They weren't in a particular year. They, right. they just were all over the place. And I threw the dart, and they threw a dart, and they both landed in the same uh-huh. place. Yeah. Howard, are you there? I'm, I'm sitting here listening, but you're absolutely right. I mean, still, it kind of defies imagination with so many people involved. Uh-huh. Well, in this hobby, also, it's interesting. When we started in the 60s, we only had maybe 200 shows in the whole collecting wide range of hobbies. I'm not talking about the private archive like Frank Spurzee. Now we estimate over a quarter million recordings have popped up. And only certain guys have that big of a collection to have that broad base. Like Jerry Hindigas and Don Aston are about two of them. And a lot of the disc jockeys don't have that kind of uh, archive. And so I think a lot of them you'll see duplicates. So um, most likely I think you'll see a case where you, you run into two three copies of the same show. Christmas time is a time when you get a lot of overlap because there are some favorites. Right. Just never go out of style. Right. right, I can understand that a little bit more than the rest of it. Uh huh. But the rest of the year, it's just a dart throw, and the darts just happen to land in the same place. It's really peculiar. Also, it, right about that. It also could show you that people have certain favorites, and they're going to go to those favorites. Uh. I, I can see you having favorites, but mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. with a bunch of people, I, I, I'm still I understand. to say that it's kind of odd, just the same. It, it is kind of odd. It's like, you know, finding the same color cow in two pastures, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whether you got a federal agent there or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, let's sure to talk about the tape, for example, Dennis Daly generally plays a whole year of one show. I don't know if he's doing that. Yeah, and I understand that part of it. I mean, he's doing a series on a particular show. And then, a particular show, but... And then, let's say you have another disc jockey who might want to play one or two episodes of that series on his tape. 
There's a chance you could get the duplicates, you know. Well, I understand that more than than the oddity of just people at random mm-hmm. landing on the same thing. It's just a um, that, that's what I'm getting at. It's just a peculiar happenstance. I remember and one time, oh, a few years ago, uh, three different tapes had the same version of Ghostbreakers of Screen Director Playhouse with Bob Hope and Shirley Mitchell on it in the same sewage cycle. That's exactly what Harwood is talking about. Yeah, Nobody, they, the DJs don't talk to each other. No. And that's not a criticism. I mean, that's just what it is. They, right. they don't talk to each other and say, well, what are you playing this week? And I'm playing this this week. They put together their tapes. They put together a show. They send them in. And sometimes they just cross paths. As, as you just described, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think that's what Harwood is talking about. It just happened. And you wonder... How, with tens of thousands of shows to choose from, how it could have happened that two people in the same week picked the same show? Yeah. I'm not criticizing Dennis Daly. I think he does a good show. I like what he does. I like the series he runs, you know, doing things for the whole year. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how he made one drastic mistake when he was doing Johnny Dollar. And... Nobody ever caught it. What was it? He was talking about that Johnny Dollar started in 1949 and was on for 23 years. Ooh. That ain't true. He was only on for 13 years. Yeah. Because it all ended in 1962. That's right. Now, where I went to school, that's 13 years. But nobody ever caught it. Or if they didn't, you know, I didn't hear anything about it, but he didn't catch it because it went for the whole series. Or at least all I heard, I didn't hear every one of them, but everyone I heard there did. And I'm just surprised, you know, that he didn't catch it. Miscount, miscount. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm not fault. I like what he does. He, he, you know, I like the shows he does, and I like the, the year-long series. I, I'm not faulting that at all. Good. But it just... I guess it's one of my quirks of finding the 49 caliber gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we, have, we have an example at least once a week of, of the 49 caliber gun. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that seems to have become a, <laughs> a, a standard for things, I think. It is our standard for... Whether it's got anything to do with a gun or not. Yeah, right. I'm not sure every... Principle of the thing. I'm not sure everybody was with us when we first talked about it. I was working with a writer who wanted me to do some editing work on his book, and he had a 49 caliber pistol in there. I said, there is no such thing as a 49 caliber pistol. And he said, well, it's my novel, and a novel doesn't have to be true, so it's going to be a 49 caliber pistol. I said, that's cool. Just don't... (laughs) Yeah, and I really wonder how many so... Yeah, well, obviously zero. Uh, and he couldn't figure out what was wrong? He couldn't figure out what was wrong, but it was his idea. It was his book. It was his novel. Novel isn't truth, and therefore he could do whatever he wanted. And so this has become Harwood's and my yeah, standard. Exactly. When something really goes screwy, it's uh, it's the forty nine caliber gun. So that's where that came from. Yep. Oh, well, I'll quit wasting your time. Um, oh, the film again, Molly just ran. Yeah. 
I think the deal that that Harlow was late on or whatever was yeah, the, yeah. when he first entered, and I couldn't quite catch all of what was said, but it did seem like there was a lag there for some reason, and then they tried to cover it up. And Fibber said, I didn't, something to the effect, I didn't think you were going to make it. Right. That's that was the place. That's what made me think Harlow had missed his cue. I agree with you. I think so, too. And, and then it did the best it could to cover it up. I agree that, well, you know, um, how good Fibber was at making good jest out of flubs and things that were just not part of the script. It was Claire Schultz who did one of the Fibber McGee and Molly books who said it was as a result of a misstep or Jim had fluffed one of his lines. I didn't hear that. I think Harlow was just playing late on his cue. I agree with you. I, I, I don't think it was, it, was, it was Jim's at all that caused that. Okay, well, I feel better. Thank you. Well, I mean, that's the way I saw it. Now, I might be wrong, but it, that's the way it looked to me. Well, then both of us are wrong. And Walt yeah, well, I don't know about that. And so we can't pick on him. Thanks. Right. <laughs> Next week we'll get you, Walt. <laughs> okay. Well, y'all have at it. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you again, and thanks for calling. It's always fun when you, t when you call in. Thanks, Walt. We'll see. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 714 2071, our magic number. We should have some family members getting up for the day. Uh, they're up and about. They're up and about. Let me see if I've got something in here that's that's going to... All right, I'll ask you, um, Pat McCracken. Yeah. Where where yeah. was the name? We heard it? Mm-hmm. it. You want one more guess? No, it's Dragnet. No, it wasn't Dragnet. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I know there is one over there. A Pat McCracken yeah. on Dragnet? Uh-huh. I've never heard of Pat McCracken on Dragnet. That's okay. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, Walden and Patricia, how you doing? Good hey, morning. Hey, fine. Who is this? This Bob Bro. Bob! Hi, Bob. How are you? I didn't recognize your voice right away. Well, I was trying to be quiet because I had the door open in my office. I didn't want to wake my wife. <laughs> oh, now I'm closed. I've closed it. We'll be yeah, ready. I'm not used to calling you guys at 4.29 in the morning. How you doing? O'clock <laughs> in the morning, so... Yuck. What are you doing at five in the morning? Uh, actually, I just I, I I needed health insurance. Okay, that helps. Now, I've been sort of self-employed, and I needed health insurance. Yeah. And the school district here, if you drive a school bus, it's one hundred percent company-paid health insurance. So I took a job driving a school bus, and I'm finding I really enjoy it. What age? Oh, I, I, I enjoy interacting with the kids, and I, I uh, you know, I just kind of enjoy being up that early. And uh, um, what age group are you are you driving around? Beg your pardon. The age group. What age group? I've got two groups of kids. Uh, I've got I pick up a group of uh, middle school kids 
which are 6th to 8th grade, and then I drop them off at school, and then I immediately go out and pick up a group of elementary school kids and drop them off, and then I do this thing in the afternoon. So then I do my writing in between the two. Wow. And so basically I have been having like a 10-hour day or 11-hour day. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's like eight hours of work, but the way it's situated, you know, it's if I start it in the morning like at 6.30, well, then I'm usually done at night by about 5, yeah, so. But anyway, I got your email today, Walden. I thank you, and I I'm, I just sent you back something. Okay, I appreciate that. Figure I, um, I, I did have a couple questions. I've gotten a couple questions from um, listeners. Yeah. By the way, that was an interesting comment. Uh, oh, and, and now my mind doesn't work this time of morning. Who were we just talking to? Harwood? Harwood, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I, that's who I thought it was, but I, yeah. um, I didn't hear you mention his name, so I was going by voice, but yeah. uh, I know I probably fit in that category because I play the same shows over and over again, but I don't play the same episodes over and over again. In fact, I keep a spreadsheet on my shows, and I've never played the same show twice except on one or two occasions when I've said, this is such a favorite episode, I'm going to play it again. Huh? But other than that, I just try not to do that. Yeah, uh, I think when what Harwood what, was talking about was you will you will not repeat, but at the same time you're playing sure. a show, one of the other DJs has pulled that from his files and decided to run that, not knowing that you were going to be running it too. Yeah. We, we see that for example, we see different disc jockeys that play the same show like for crying out loud, the Magic Island was played two, three, four different DJs would play it sometime in the same period of time. Kidding. No. What an odd show to show up in more than one place. Well, partly because it fit. And is it, you know, if a disc jockey has 90 minutes and he wants to flap in a 15-minute show, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the ones a lot of them Yeah, and, that, and I'll tell you what, that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you're, when you're laying out your show, uh, you know, I, I edit commercials. I know some guys don't want to do that. But if you don't, You've got three 30-minute shows, and they won't fit. And even with the commercials, if you want to do any kind of talking at all mm-hmm. and have an intro to the show and a conclusion, you, it's pretty hard to do three half-an-hour shows in 90 minutes. And I do it. You just can't do it. Yeah, about all you can do is if you have, like, a Jack Benny show or a Fibber McGee or Mo- and Molly or something like that, is to cut out some of the music. I mean, that's just about all you can do. Yeah, every once in a while you'll hear Dr. Dale on his tapes having said, well, the show is a little bit longer than usual, so we don't have any time to talk. Let's get right into the show. Right. Boom. Yeah. Like, and you have somebody like Bob Lyons who just go ahead and jam in three 30-minute shows. Uh-huh. And there, there's just no room in between to talk about the show, right. to say, hi, this is who I am, or this is what went on in yeah. the show, or listen for this particular part of the show because it's interesting. And that's, that's what makes the DJ's shows really fun, to have that kind of conversation. So well, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously you don't want to try to put all the highlight on yourself, but you do want to bring. Otherwise, it's like, uh, it's like uh, Walden said, Poor Kim, if, if she doesn't get a tape, all of a sudden she just has to stick three shows in. Yeah. Well, you, you you tune in to listen to old-time radio, so that, that part's fine. But you miss the conversation. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah, at least I do. And I've always been that way with regular uh, broadcast radio, too. The shows I listen to are usually personality-driven. Yeah. I really enjoy listening to your show because you you insert those kinds of things. Listen for this, or this was an unusual character who showed up, or this particular actor played two roles in this show. Listen for this and listen for that. And it's really fun. Um, Ken Goff is another one who does a really great job of research and giving some background on the characters in the show. And it's really a lot of fun for me to hear that. I'll get to tell everybody a secret. It's a lot harder to do a tape show than it is a live show. Yes, it is. I prefer live because I can just sit here and just yeah. be relaxed and just let it all spill out. When I when I used to do a tape show, uh, you get that clock in your head and you and you want to be perfect. You don't really want to leave mistakes on the tape. So it's it's right. to me it's just it's it's a tougher deal to produce a tape show. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You don't have the the luxury of being just loose and starting and not stopping when you're finished. Mm-hmm. You have to time yourself, and you have to be prepared for the with the information. So I, I really appreciate it, Bob. Truly, uh, I'm one of your well, thank you. appreciative audience people out here. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, now a couple questions. I've had people send me emails that listen to the show. And they have questions, and I always tell people on, on the show that I am not a radio expert, that I am a fan. And that's why, like, my, most of my comments will be listen to this or listen to that. I don't, I mean, I, you know, obviously I'll, I'll do some history, but, you know, some of these questions go right over my head. And one was, and I should know this because I play so much Gunsmoke, but somebody sent me in, let me see if I, well, it doesn't matter. I, 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 but anyway, they, they sent in an email and asked me, what, I must have mentioned on something that this is an East Coast request. Why would Gunsmoke Walden or Patricia have had an East and West Coast recording? Was that show ever done live? I think Polly Bear said the first year it was. The 52 season it was. Um... And then they went, and then they, uh, then they went to tape pretty quickly after that. But I'm seeing, remember, listening to, uh, and if I go by the John Dunning interviews, and I haven't listened to Paulie Bear's interviews with John Dunning in a while, um, but I think he explained those, and I think the first year it was live. But after that it was it recorded? Was, uh-huh. In other words, they always would, they recorded them. And see, Gunsmoke was an interesting show because it had a Saturday and Sunday broadcast. Uh, only, only for part of the run. Only for right? part of the run. But the, the strange thing is, sometimes it was not the same show. Beg your pardon. It was not the same show. You heard one show on Saturday. It was not the same show on Sunday. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize yes. that. Yes. They do that. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, because yeah. they introduced it on Sunday, then they repeated it. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they they had that they had that going for a while. Uh, they also had recording day for Gunsmoke cast was Saturday, and they would go in and crank out two or three shows. Well, Walden was the sound effects were so precise mm-hmm. and elaborate. Yep. 
much more elaborate in that show than so many of the other shows. Yep. Yeah. They they recorded this from start to finish. They didn't do it in pieces. Is that correct? Well, you mean you're talking about the sound effects itself? No, um, uh, the the program itself. They didn't do. They, yeah, they went in, they they went from top top from top to bottom straight and, through. And did not stop in between. No. Okay. No. So with the the sound effects that were so good. Yeah. I mean, they were exceptional sound effects yeah. in that show. What kind of extra challenges did they have? They had a lot of extra challenges. First of all, the sound effect guys, you had four of them, really cared about the show. And so, a lot of those gun sounds you heard, they went behind Bill Conrad's house. And Bill had a cannon, and they used that at the backdrop, and they took actual real live set of different guns, rifles, and sh shotguns, and recorded all those sound effects hours and they put those on cartridge and that's what you heard okay so they would drop these sound effects in correct at the correct time correct apparently his house was in a canyon yeah you know so it really added to it, it yeah had a, it had a but you can tell the difference they didn't do that until like 1953 or 54 correct. yeah and you can tell the difference the first year or so of the series the gunshots don't sound nearly as realistic right okay that's you know everything's an evolving days you know then then you know the jingles they're carrying their hands and the spurs and then they started to make sure uh the, the the jail and then they started a major Mac chair. I mean, they really it, it was a work in progress. You, you listen to it. But the sound effects person, the precision of having to drop in transcribed sound effects, must have been a high pressure job. Well, they had two guys on each show, and then they traded off. Yeah. It was what Ray Kemper and Tom. Um, Tom. Uh, oh, I can't think of it. I, I, know that, I know that Jerry Hendigas became pretty good friends with Ray Kemper. Ray Kemper. He's still alive. I called Ray about you, and he said, well, I'm to the point I just can't remember too much more. Yeah, so that's I, what Jerry told me. Too, yeah, yeah. I, I, call, I had him on the show four or five years ago. He was great, one of the great uh, 90 minutes. And then I thought, hey, you know, people would love to talk to a sound effects artist. And Ray said, I'm just to the point I can't remember in details anymore. Patricia was when would you when would you be able to replay that one, Walden? I'm gonna probably be handling all my uh, interviews to Larry Gaffman. He'll be transferring those to digital files here the next week or so. So, so oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be nice to get that all done. There's one sound effect guy left from the Golden Days of Radio that Patricia and I should probably get on. That's still with us. Bob Mott. Bob Mott. Yeah, yeah, and he did it from New York, and he'd be the last one that you know worked in radio. And uh, we we could get on and get to it. Most most of the sound effects by the fifties were all on on disc, right? Yeah. Well, actually, they were cartridge by by the mid fifties. You know, still disc during the forties. Uh, I guess into the early fifties. Yeah. Well, they were using tape cartridges. Uh huh. That's how they did the gun smokes. Which guns. they used, still used up until. Probably 15 years ago. Oh, I bet they did, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, and they had, uh, you know, Saturday rehearsal in Gunsmoke was known as Dirty Saturday. 
just because yeah. just because the sound effect guy loved the pirate sound effects. Uh, they would put inappropriate sound, especially when uh, Matt and Kitty were around. You know. Um, it would put in inappropriate. Yes. Uh huh. Like what? Um, Not heard any of the uh, any of the uh, uh, rehearsal shows. Uh, uh, Bed Springs, for example. A bed spring? Uh-huh. In in what context? I'll talk to you off there. Uh-oh. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I mean, if you have Kitty and Matt in a conversation and you hear the sound effect guys uh, moving bed springs around. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Um, how, oh, this is really, how cruel. Well, and there's some where, uh, you know, on the rehearsals that Matt, I mean, some of them are, are, are well, almost X-rated. I mean, they're just, uh, if William Conrad blows a line, he just, you know, comes out with profanities. And, and, and really, it kind of surprised me because I didn't even think that you use that kind of profanity in mixed company. Yeah, and they just recorded that stuff, and no. that was known as dirty. They didn't put any of that stuff on the air, but that's... I'll, I'll send you a couple of those, Patricia, if you don't, if you don't have them. I don't have them. I've never heard yeah. of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll send them to you. How cool is that? And then there's some of them where there's no... In fact, on, on the show I do for Jerry, I've been going through chronologically the year... 1953 and trying to keep, you know, like this week I'm playing September 5th show from 1953. And uh, there was two shows in 1953 that we don't even have the originals anymore. All we have are the, uh, what they they call them audition shows. They were rehearsals. Mm-hmm. And they're not bad except there's no music. Well, they're very interesting to listen to, but you get tired of it after, you know, 10 minutes. I mean, you, you just don't appreciate yeah, how that, much you need music. Well, yeah, especially if you're accustomed to hearing it in a particular show. Yeah. yeah. You take something yeah. like Alum and Abner, you had nothing. And if you started inserting music, it would it would be just dreadful. Also... Which, which indicates to me that that's what they did. Oh, yeah. Also, they oh. well, they did. They, they flapped the music later in the run. At the beginning, they, they did it with live music. And later in the run, they just flapped it in. And see, this is 53, right. so I don't know. I don't know at that point. But again, I think some of those shows might have been, uh, well, anyway, go ahead. You were going to say? I was going to say, another thing they were known for in, in on rehearsal is the running gags. Um, yeah. William Conrad and John Daner uh, had fun with each other. And because William, John Daniel would have different voices and different, you never really, I always have a hard time figuring out what, what John Daniel. I never know until we get to the end that he was even in some of these shows. Well, Conrad, Bill would, would as he's walking down the street or as he's riding out in the, the field with, with Polly Bear, would say, hi, John. <laughs> and, then, and then we go back and forth. And just yeah. different things you would hear in the rehearsal that they wouldn't bother. They talked about that yeah. in the uh, story of Gunsmoke, that he would, uh, John Daner at times, if he was on the cast that night, and I noticed this was, pro- well, I, I, maybe it was through the whole run, mm-hmm. but uh, they said at times he would walk up to a microphone when it wasn't, he, when, you know, he wasn't even in the script for n- until the next scene and go, hello, Marshall. <laughs> with the old man's voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to throw Conrad off, and mm-hmm. Conrad would just reply right away, Hello, John. Mm-hmm. 
and and then they just go on with their, you know. But like Walden said, there was one time where they're out, supposed to be out, you know, 100 miles away from Dodge City someplace, mm -hmm. out in the middle of the prairie. <laughs> they, Hello, John. <laughs> wow. And, the, you know, you talk about professionals. They just picked up and kept going. Yeah, well, I guess you'd have to, right? I mean, well, what, what's the famous story you told about Virginia Gregg's skirt falling down? Yep. Uh, when, the right time, the I think when the Dr. Christian show, and she was with child, and her, uh, the rubber band, I guess, broke during the live broadcast. The elastic. Yes. She was reading script, so Polly Bear spent the rest of the time behind her holding her, 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 her dress together while she was reading the lines. And they did... Just there was a live audience. Yes. And the show came off okay. The show came off perfectly. And you wouldn't even know. No. I mean, you talk about professionals. <laughs> I mean, seriously. They're, when you get to the level that these people were at, nothing shook them up. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, one other question. We're going to shift gears now. Okay. Somebody else asked me if I could comment on the last years of Bob Bailey, why he left Johnny Dollar, and uh, was Johnny Dollar for a while done in New York? It was at the end. They, uh, at the end? Yes. They moved it to New York, and yes. Bailey wasn't invited to go along? He, they did, he did. He turned it down. He did not want to make the trip to New York. So it, it really wasn't that Bob Bailey left the show. The show left Bob Bailey. And they asked to take him, and he just turned it down. I said, no, he wanted to stay in California. Sad, yes? So, basically, what I think what was happening... They were shutting down productions here on the West Coast. I think that's part of the reason why you saw Have Gun shut down so early. That's part of the reason why... You, um, there we go. We'll let Bob call back. That's part of the reason why you saw Gunsmoke in 61. Uh, is that you, Bob? Yeah, I'm sorry. Nope. I'm on my uh, computer phone, and it just seemed to have uh, died off. So I kind of missed that whole sure. last... Uh, Sure. Last well, thing that you were saying there. Basically, uh, they decided to move. They decided to close production in Hollywood, uh, a lot of the radio shows, and move it back to New York. And they wanted Bob Bailey to make the trip to New York, and he did not want. He did not want to move. And my comment was, it wasn't that Bob Bailey left the show. The show left Bob Bailey. And so, if you look, if you look, sit down and look at those charts, I have gone world travel ended in 1960. Gunsmoke right, in '61. Yeah. Uh, they moved Suspense and Johnny Dollar to New York. I think partly, if we had to guess, because the soap operas were still coming out in New York, I think they just wanted to centralize production in one location, and they decided to move everything to New York. That's just my guess. Now, did I know that he's done... Um, well, I know Ken Goff mentioned the other night that he, he was in... Uh, he had a, a cameo type, well, I, I don't know if you call it a cameo, a bit part, I guess, is a better way of putting it in, like the Birdman of Alcatraz with uh -huh. uh, with Burt Lancaster and a couple other things. But was his acting career, uh, did he do much after after radio? We played, uh, a couple months ago, we played an uh, interview with uh, Bob's daughter. Um, 
Bob had a drinking trouble, drinking problem, and when he married, he got that straightened out. And at the end, of, after Johnny Dollar left, his wife left them. And there's something I don't know on the detail. His, his daughter talked, and it, and Bob went back to drinking, and he was out of circulation for ten years. Oh, okay. Nobody knew, even his family didn't know where he was until uh, he got back together, started helping AA, and then he suffered a major, major stroke in the early 70s. And the last 10 years of his life until about 83, he's been in a nursing home. And that's when he got in touch with his daughter and things like that. But he pretty uh, much just dropped completely off the face of the earth. Well, yeah, that's what alcohol does. And uh, Nolan Kenner sent me a movie that he was in. Was it a Laurel and Hardy movie? Yes, uh-huh. he was in Laurel and Hardy, yep. It was a Laurel and Hardy, and he was good. I, I did not recognize him. Nolan sent it with a note that said, look for Bob Bailey, and he was a major character in this movie. I didn't know what Bob Bailey looked like. What year? Oh, what year would it have been? About 44, something like that. Okay. He was... Than that, but 44 would be fine. He was in... He, he grew up in a family of a show business family. His dad and mom was in it. His daughter... He, he, uh, I think he was, came out of Chicago radio and made the move to Hollywood. And, you know, George Valentine put him on the map. You know, that the uh-huh. detective series with Virginia Gregg and everything. And if people listen, if you listen to that George Valentine and the Johnny Dollar, it's definitely the same persona. He has some. Oh, well, that's, yeah. 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 Similar. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Dollar. That's true, like with, uh, I guess you get a formula, and, uh, well, like like uh, Carlton Morris, all of his shows sounded alike. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the mystery shows. Right. You know, I think Johnny Dollar was, uh, as you say, Walden, it was similar. And he kind of cut his teeth on the let George do it. But I think by the time he got to Bob Bailey, he he was more refined. He really had a handle on his character. I also think, really, we talked about it. Jack Johnstone is the unsung hero of that whole production. The, the, he, he directed them, and he wrote most of the script. And, I think, uh-huh. and he was a close friend with Bob Bailey. And I think he really knew how to customize his script around Bob's talent. And did a mo- great job. Uh, yeah. And, and obviously Bob- have fun with that because, I mean, it's still one of my classic favorites is the one with Howard McNear about the mouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, yeah. And it just such a such a um, diversion from what they would normally do. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Searching for these mice, you know, it just it it just cracked me up that you know. But anyway, that's we were talking tonight about the Johnny Dollar when Vincent Price plays a guest role on. That's a great script. Is it? Yeah. Great script. Uh, I love that script. Do you have that show, Bob? I don't know if I did. Probably not. I don't have a lot of Johnny Dollars. I've got a number of the serial ones. You know the. Five night a week ones. Five nights a week. And some of the earlier ones I had weren't really good sound quality, so I just kind of eliminated them from. Yeah, if you've got some good Johnny Dollars, send them to me. I'd love to have them. I, I and I'll send you the. I'll just email you the or, or put a, I, anyway. I'll get you those uh, Gunsmoke uh, ones about the rehearsals. Yeah. Okay, that that would be great. I'm. Um, 
I cleaned out a lot of my Johnny Dollars. They they were just unintelligible. They are and it yeah. was really such bad quality that you couldn't even understand the shows. What I've got are are not pristine. Some of them are very good, not necessarily pristine as you prefer for the radio station, but a lot of them are just plain enjoyable. And the Vincent yeah. Rice one is particularly enjoyable. It, it was so out of mainstream from what they typically did. So I'll make sure that the Vincent Price one is in there. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have it. Vincent Price, um, I, I always found him a fascinating guy. He, he's, uh, of course, I wasn't, I didn't know it at the time. He's from St. Louis. Uh, so, you know, he's kind of got a presence here. Uh -huh. a, true, a really true uh, Renaissance guy, if you think about it. You know, went to Yale, if I recall. That's right. He and, did. To be honest, I wasn't crazy about him as an actor. I like him as like a TV personality in the 60s. Remember, he used to do a lot of appearances on Carson and stuff like that. I loved oh, yeah. him. Loved him. But as an actor, like for instance, the other day I had uh, somebody had requested uh, uh, the famous Escape, Three Skeleton Keys. Yes, yeah. Uh -huh. And I, 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 the, the one I have with him mm -hmm. starring in it is the best sound quality, but to be honest, I didn't think it was nearly as well done as the one they had done just a year earlier with William Conrad and... William Conrad, I agree. Bartell. I, lo I, I would prefer to listen to Vincent Price over William Conrad, but I thought the Three Skeleton Key with Conrad was far superior to the other one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, William Conrad always was such a heavy. The only thing I really liked him in was Gunsmoke. And there, I just, I, you know, there's just no... I, I, he was perfect for the role, you're right. Is Matt Dillon, yeah, just perfect. Uh, but in some of the other, you know, but, but then again, he always played, uh, you know, using villainous type role. And so really he always had that heavy voice. And, yeah. Uh he was not like well, in most of his in, in most of his roles. He was not a lovable character by any means. No, no, and I guess that was what kind of almost kept him from getting gun smoke, right, Walden? Is, is that they said he was just too much of a heavy. Mm. And the yeah. same way with Raymond Burr, I think Raymond Burr was sort of typecast mm -hmm. back then. That was before Perry Mason uh -huh. as sort of a heavy. And I guess you have to say, uh, bless. Norm Macdonald, that he saw through all that and saw the talent there. He, he took a chance. Yeah. Norm Macdonald had a good ear. He made a lot of great choices and a lot of roles. You know, I mean, I think I played the uh, the Have Gun Will Travel, the three different audition, and you know, you could hear you could hear Harry Bartell, you could hear the other guy, Vin, you know, Vic Perrin. And then when you hear John Daner do it, you can get say, I can see why. Oh, you, yeah, you yeah. yeah. Um, the Have Fun Will Travel, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so Norm MacDonald had a good ear. And he he uh, cared about all the shows he worked on, and he had a hand it to him. Well, and then he was the one that had the vision enough to say, dead air is not a bad mm -hmm. thing, and silence can be very dramatic, and... Uh, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to me. There, there's one. Uh, well, the way that, like Patricia was saying earlier, they could use sound effects. They use sound effects not just for background, but to create suspense. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you could you could have maybe a, 
a, a situation where Matt is facing off with someone and it's silent except you can hear a chair squeaking and you know that the guy's fidgeting in his chair. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so well done, you know. You yeah. say, well, and those ones I'd really love to uh, to just turn off the lights and listen to in the dark. Well, get think, think when Matt Dillon is having a draw. I guess a bit. Get the intensity that split second dead silent. Very realistic. You know, yeah. before they actually draw the guns. Yeah. You know. And when both of them draw and fire at almost the same time, again, it's it's a marvel of sound effect where you can get the bam yeah. so fast, so together, and so perfect that you know if if Matt got his shot off. A second between the other guy, mm-hmm. the other guy wouldn't have had a chance to shoot his gun. Right. They had. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In a second, yeah. they had to have those two sounds in less than a second, and they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Yeah, like Walden said, they actually would count the footsteps across the street from the sheriff's off from the marshal's office to the, huh? the Long Branch. You know, yeah. That. So it was. I mean, everything was just perfect that way, and. I, I don't know, that to me has always been the magic of radio is the sound effects. You know, that's yeah, what you and, can you and, can play all these. And I think Rick Corey did such a great job of his arrangements and the guitar sound. It, just, it has a wonderful music score yeah, to support yeah. that show. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess you guys, uh, I better let you go. It's 6 o'clock and, and uh, you guys are going to turn into pumpkins here pretty quick, aren't you? We already have been pumpkins. We're ready to be harvested. Okay. <laughs> For show right now? Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. He's going to do it by himself, Bob. <laughs> Hey, Wallen, I hear you're getting on Skype some now, huh? I'm on Skype. Yep, I'm on Skype. I, uh... I'll, have to do that. I'll have to put you on my uh, thing. I talked to, uh, it was either Larry or John. I'd, I'd never remember who I was talking Probably to. Probably Larry, yeah. He was Larry. Yeah. And uh, he, we talked, we had a really nice conversation. We talked for probably half an hour, but he said that... Uh, he told me what he was doing with you guys now. Yeah. And he, yeah. he mentioned, he says, well, Walden's on Skype now. He says, you got to get him on. So I, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. But, yeah. You know, that, if you get that going, if you can, that's great for your interviews. Yeah, yeah, because actually the guys are doing that with a lot of their guests. That's how they set up Beverly Washburn. They're setting the things up. And, you know, eventually, at this old Broadcast equipment the Gettner were using dies. That's probably how we're going to be broadcasting yesterday, USA. Most through Skype. So, we get well, I mean, if you if you put it on Skype and then tape it on your or record it on your computer, you've got, you know, it's just like the person sitting in the room with no you. No doubt about that. Okay, that's how the Gaffman do the show. They're doing all that for Skype because John and Gary live in yeah. two different places. Yeah. Oh, is that right? They, yep. I didn't think about nope, that. No, nope, they they. They do didn't it. tell me that. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. They do the, They do that whole thing through Skype. So they don't even get together for the show. No. No. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing. Well, Patricia, we got to get you on Skype. No, we don't. <laughs> really? It, it it's it, you know I don't have the camera. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let everybody see my my beautiful face. You know, but. 
but I like the talking on it. I, 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 the camera thing becomes too much of an invasion of privacy. I, I can see for family how you'd enjoy having that, but I don't want someone to just be able to all of a sudden ring me up, and if I answer it, all of a sudden I have to be on camera. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't care for that. Okay, maybe without the camera. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I don't even have a camera on my computer, so. Oh, see, neither do I. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of laptops have them built in now, but I don't, uh, I mean, I, it's, you know, not that I'd be embarrassed about it or anything, but I just, I just don't like that. It's just too much of an invasion, you know. But, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I don't want... Well, listen, I'll let you guys go then. So I will send you those audition shows, and you're going to send me some Johnny Dollar. I am going to send you some Johnny Dollars. And it's sure good to talk to you guys again. Well, I thank you, Bob. In fact, we had somebody thought you passed away a few weeks ago. We said, no, no, you're, you're still alive. <laughs> I, I, I don't know and where... That's what happened. It just, my, my hours shifted, and I'll tell you what... If you have to get up at 5, if you're not in bed by about 9 o'clock, you're pretty dead the next day. I, I agree. I agree. I just don't have any time during the day when I can grab a nap. If Then if you come home and take a nap, it's already 6 o'clock, and then you're dead for the night. And you're finished so, at 9. Yeah, so so you better you better stay up and, until 9, 9.30. I, I agree. But this week, a couple times, I got in the chat room till 10 o'clock. Well, Patricia never makes her grand entrance. <laughs> Well, I was there the other day, and your name was there, but you weren't. Well, I had probably been in there earlier, but, you know, you, you have the, you know, the they start playing pomp and circumstance, and the, <laughs> and, uh, and the, you know, everybody bows down as Patricia comes in, and so, this, oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. <laughs> well, I, All right. I have one question quick before you go. Do you want Bob Daly, Johnny Dollars, or do you want uh, the whole Magilla? I prefer Bob Daly. I also like Edmund O'Brien. I thought he was pretty good. Oh, um, see if I can... But for the most part, I think I, I like uh, Bob Daly. Okay. Uh, I agree. And I'm, I'm sure I have some Edmund O'Brien, so I will see what I can put together for him, and the rest okay. of it will be um, Bob Daly. All righty. Very cool, Bob. Thanks so much for calling in. You See you guys. Be Bye, safe. Bob. You be take good. care. Bye-bye. All right. We're doing good. Yes, we are. Five after three, everybody. Give us a call. Five after three, my petunias. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty petunias over there. <laughs> Some people have a clock that says five after three. <laughs> I think we are winding up. We are after 6 o'clock. We have played our Fibber McGee and Molly show, which I, I really like that show. That was just so Fibber. It was so perfectly Fibber. I know you didn't listen to it, and I'm not sure if you've had that in your collection to listen to. Uh -huh, I did. I've heard it before, and then I, I, I love the tag. I got can't to hear the, the tag. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. Fibber was out doing his his banking deal. He was yeah. to develop property, yeah. and it turned out he was going to be raking leaves mm -hmm. from the bank because the bank owned the property. It was just so typically Fibber. It was so typically Fibber. Oh yeah, loved that show. So I think we are at the end. Okay, I guess it's time to bring up Doris. I mean, we're gonna Doris. Everybody, please have a safe. And enjoy the holiday. If you are off, be careful if you have to go to work or wherever you're going. And we will be back next week. 
love you all. That's right. We love you very much. Thanks for giving us a lot of calls and making our evening. We love you all very much. Talk to you soon. Bye, Walden. Goodbye, Patricia. It's time to wind up the masquerade. Just make your mind up. The piper must be paid. The party's over. The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end The party's over It's all Fight. 
September the 4th, year 2011. Hope you're all doing well. We have another John Dunning interview to feature here at the top of the show. But first, our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful opportunity being on this station. Thank you for the Labor Day weekend. Bless those who have family. Bless those who are missing loved ones. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, let me get this going. Kate Smith, John Dunenter. Windows Media Player, default view, Windows Media Player. Harry Marble speaking, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And uh, this is really not uh, any broadcasting system in that uh, old... Dennis Horsford. Wow. That was fantastic. Uh, from uh, Minnesota, commenting on uh, the days of Ed Murrow, the London Blitz. My gosh. The bombs coming down. Can you imagine living like that? I tell you the truth. Uh, folks who want to wage war should uh, have to go back in a time machine and sit out on Piccadilly Circus and, and just uh, just endure that for a few nights. All right, we have uh, a message to um, impart. Uh, one of the things I want to impart before I forget, uh, which I forgot to do last week, I didn't have time to do, I want to tell you all the phones are. 